Welcome to the Severe MMA Podcast Premium. Here's your host, Sean Sheehan. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the Severe MMA Podcast. And today we're joined by Brad Wharton to talk about the three big Cage Warriors cards. And it feels like we're, we're doing this now every couple of weeks, Brad, at this stage. But uh, it's good to have you back. And three uh, three more great cards coming up from Cage Warriors this week. How are you uh, this evening? Well, I'm all the better for speaking to you, Sean. Like you say, it's uh, it's becoming a, a regular occurrence now. And uh, I, should, I actually quite look forward to it, to be honest, because uh, it sort of gives me a, a bit of a chance to go through things and get stuff right in my head before the fight. Make sure I don't say anything egregiously incorrect. Yeah. Well, you well, you can today. Uh, the broadcast, yeah, today's the time to do it. <laughs> today's the time to do it. Yeah, someone will probably send you abuse during the week, and you can get it corrected for uh for uh, what is it? Thursday, Friday, Saturday this week. It's a bit different as well this week. I, I was looking through the you see me on the the cards there, and I kind of half forgot that the Saturday card uh, is a bit earlier than usual. And I don't know, maybe that's I'm not sure why that is. Do you have, do you have any rec- reason why that is? But do you think that'll be any bit different for the the lads fighting in the middle of the day? I suppose there a lot of wouldn't be used to fighting in, in the middle of the day like this yeah yeah i guess it's um it's a bit of a change obviously i think it'll mean that weigh-ins might have to be a little bit earlier the day before it's probably weighing in early in the morning instead of in the afternoon um but uh look you know everything is the ufc's fault right they're starting at seven o'clock in the uh, in the evening uk time so we have to be off the air uh, an hour before, so that's how it's worked out, I think. Yeah, and what, what can you do? Well, I suppose, but let's get str- straight into the Listen, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm not complaining, it means I get home in time for the Coronation Street on the bus, so it's uh, <laughs> <laughs> all good. It's the, it's but no, the look, look what, what a great day to be a fight fan, though, right? You've got Cage Warriors all afternoon, you've got UFC all evening. And uh, if you know if you're a real scumbag like me, you've got Bernacle Fighting Championship. Indeed, yeah. Bam, I, so I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, yeah, what more do you want? I wouldn't be watching that stuff now. There's too, too, there's too much for me. Now. <laughs> I don't blame you. I don't blame you. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, right, let's get into Cage Warriors one, two, three. First of all, I suppose, and it's l- looking down through it. I suppose. Look uh, to me from an Irish point of view, I think this is a very uh, Irish-based weekend. Kind of the last few um, trilogies f- from an Irish side have kind of been leading up to this. It's unfortunate. Obviously, Paul Hughes is in Andy's card and not in a title shot, but we have Ian Gary in the title shot. We have Joe McCulligan in a title shot. We have Decky McAleen in, in a, a big fight, and I don't think Decky's that far away from a title shot as well. Um, so it's, it's a big week for Irish MMA, but I feel like this Cage Warriors 1 2 3 card on the Thursday is kind of the UK side of it. I know there's a lot here from uh, England. There's uh, Aaron Arby from Wales as well. I know there's a few Scots and uh, even a Brazilian stuck in there as well. But this is a big, big night for UK MMA and a big night, I suppose, in the main event. We can start there for Natalia Frederick versus Matthew Bonner. Like, uh, for me, Natalia Frederick is one of these guys. Kind of not necessarily flying under the radar, but I think this guy is going to be a stud when he eventually gets to the UFC. Still, I know he's only had 11, 12 fights into his career, uh, but I, I'm a big fan of Natalia Frederick, and that's a fun fight against Matthew Bonner, who beat uh, the ex champion, obviously, James Webb, his last time out. You're looking forward to that one? Yeah, absolutely. You know, Natalia's, um, you got to remember Natalia's, he's, he's in his late 30s now, um, and, and he's had kind of this like real gangbusters last couple of years. Um, you know, he spoke at length about kind of the the sort of issues he's had growing up and everything, and what this sports allowed him to overcome is is phenomenal. And 
you know, you leave all that outside the cage door. Obviously, when the cage, the man's an absolute wrecking machine, right? You know, he just he just goes through people. He just, you know, he's been clattering guys uh, on the regional circuit and, and of course, on Cage Warriors as well. So if you're talking about, you know, a value for money guy to watch, you know, you, you're going to say that's going to be an entertaining fight. Uh, and Matt Bonner, you know, Matt's a guy, I've called his fights for years. I, I, I called his fights um, back from his amateur days. He, he fought on FCC a number of times. Um, so seeing him progress through Cage Warriors has been fantastic. You know, he, he was at a stage, I think, where his record was six and six. Uh, you know, he made the move to next gen. He's been winning. He's been looking great. For my money, he's been looking that little bit better, which is what you want to see, that kind of progression. And look, here, here's the interesting thread with this story for me. Matt Bonner's never been finished, pro or amateur. Natias Frederick hurts people. How's this going to play out? Is Natias Frederick going to be the first guy to finish Matt Bonner? Or is Matt Bonner going to have this, you know, miracle career turnaround where he's gone from a 500 fighter to finding the right gym improving progressing and winning the cage warriors belt yeah like it's it's funny watching the fight against james webb like people don't do to james webb what he did to james webb unless they're a very very good fighter you know we know uh, you know james is very very tough and can hit hard and his top game is is really really good and matt bonner to get through that the way he did it was was a fantastic performance obviously we've seen natias frederick doing the same but me personally like i I would be interested in hearing your opinion of what what will Bonner bring to kind of stop Frederick because I think Frederick right we, we you come out and say Grant he's this monster on the feet and you know he hits really hard and he finishes people but the fact that he went in there against James Webb survived with Webb having a lot of top position in that first fight and then was able to turn around even more uh, in the second fight showing that he's able to you know to kind of mix it up on the ground as well it's a scary proposition for Matt Bonner but like if you're I think we can all see where, what Natias Fredericks you know plan is and way to get the finishes what, what do you think for Matt Bonner what do you think his uh, tactics will be maybe against Antares Frederick. Well, if you if you look at his fights, and again going back to amateur, he can turn it up in the third round. You know, we know he's got cardio for days. Uh, we saw him get that comeback win over George Smith. He did great work late against Matt Inman. Um, you know, even though Inman was getting back into the fight towards the end, we know that Bonner's still got those extra two Duracell batteries. You know, in in the uh, in the backpack ready for that third round. Of course, we've not seen him in the fourth and fifth, but when the guy's able to turn it up in, in the third sometimes and be more effective, you've got to think, well, going to be the game plan here. Let Natalia Frederick get wild. Let him tire himself out. I think, you know, with all due respect, if you look at the fights against James Webb, uh, they got wild in the, in the later rounds, right? Things were getting a, a bit wild and a bit sloppy because both those guys were going at it. You know, they put their foot down and, and redlined from round one onwards. So if Natias Frederick comes out like that again, maybe Bonner takes over in the third round and maybe the championship rounds are a bad time for the champion. Who knows? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the great thing about this one is there's a lot of unanswered questions. You know, can, can Matt Bonner be stopped? Is there a that can hit him in the chin without a hammer or a knuckle duster and knock the guy out? We don't know, but... Maybe Natias Frederick's the kind of guy you're looking at to do that, right? Yeah, yeah. If there is a guy around that way, it probably is him. You know, he's a. There's, uh, there's not, there's not a dollar amount in the world you could write down to let me take a punch from that guy. I tell no, you that. Well, there probably is for me, but like, I, I, included <laughs> with hospital bills afterwards and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've been you know, too bad of a way to spend it. Put it that way. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. Um, so yeah, I'm not really looking forward to that. And I think, look, if Natias uh, Frederick wins that, 
I, I don't think he, he can be too far from uh, the UFC, to be honest, because, like, the UFC's um, uh, middleweight division is not great, to be honest. And someone like Ty Frederick, I think, could go in there and cause trouble immediately in that division. So it's a huge fight for him. And obviously, as you mentioned, with Matt Bonner, the story's told with him kind of already, so it's, it's big for him as well. Um, we will mention a few of the other fights. One I really wanted to, to get your thoughts on is Manny Akpan. I saw him the last uh, the last time out. I think it was the first time I ever saw him. And even if it wasn't, it was the first time I kind of noticed him. What a performance the last time out. To me, like, I look for fighters like him who I'm like, right, that's a name I'm not going to forget. That's a performance I'm not going to forget the next time. You know, there's I have a lineup here of what, probably, what, 70 fighters in front of me over the next, or maybe a little bit less over the next three nights. And it's, it's you know, it's hard for everyone to, to stick out. But Manny Akpan was one from the last group of 60 or 70 on the cage where Shrill Jet really stood out. This guy, and he's coming in there against Kerr Harvey as well. I know I was talking to Jake on the UK MMA show we did the other day about this fight as well. And he's he, he thinks this is a very good one. You know, two kind of, three fights against four fights, two up-and-comers in, in the world of uh, of uh, English and Scottish MMA. This is this is a fight that kind of sticks out for me, and especially Manny Akpan. What can you tell us about him? Well, you've seen Manny Akpan before, my friend, because he fought the Cage Warriors card in Cork, which I oh. uh, I believe you were in attendance at. I, I, I think was. that might... That might have been the first time you and I shook hands, actually, I believe, that, yeah, uh, that event. And, uh, and Manny had uh, shown there as well, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but look, you're, you're completely correct in saying the, um, the Ben Ellis fight last time, uh, that was his best performance so far. Uh, Manny's another guy I've followed since his amateur career. Uh, I remember the late, great Carl Tanswell pulling me aside at an event one time saying, uh, I've got this kid on later on, keep an eye on him, he's absolutely mustard. And he came out throwing all kinds of crazy like crane kicks and stuff and got a really good uh, really good KO. So I've always kept my eye on Manny. Super fit, great athlete, strong, fast, very technical, listens to what his corner. And what more can you ask for in a young fighter? And then you've got Kier on the other side of the card. Uh, you know, fighting in the James Doolan, who, who for my money is one of the top mm-hmm. uh, coaches in, uh, in this part of the world at the moment. So two huge prospects. So, uh, and, you know, we've said it previously on these previews, um, possibly it's the fact that, uh, you know, the domestic scene isn't what it used to be at the moment. We're seeing these prospects fight each other early on. I mean, yeah. we, you know, we've got, we've got Will Curry and Christian Duncan uh, in the comment yeah. event. <laughs> that's twice. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, that's not going to happen uh, in any other point in history. So, um, look, I think between these two guys, you're going to see a great fight. And I don't really think it matters who wins or who loses. Uh, both these guys are going to go on for great things for my money. Yeah, 100%. What else stands out to you in the card? Like, I look, looking through it here, we have a lot of, you know, guys that have been around yeah, for, a, for a long, long while, like Sam Creasy against uh, Aaron Arby, Mick Stanton's on the card. Uh, what else sticks out to you from, I suppose, the, the UK side of it? Yeah, I mean, McManus and Shotbolt's one that I'm very much looking forward to. Uh, you know, both very good guys. Like you say, uh, Sam Creasy uh, versus Aaron. Look, Aaron's story, uh, I'm sure you're aware of it, is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, you know, the guy's been dealing with uh, cystic fibrosis all his life. Uh, he's overcome cancer in recent years. Uh, the dude's a machine. Like, he's the toughest guy in the world. Um, you know, I, I, I wrote his story for uh, the FCC program many years ago. And, you know, every time I see the guy in the cage operating uh, at the level that he operates to after I know what he's been through, it's, uh, it's truly inspirational. And look, regardless of all that, because obviously when his name comes up, that's what people talk about. But forget about all that. The guy can fight. And he's going in against Sam Creasy, who, again, great value for money, 
Sam Creasy, for my money, is the number one contender in the flyweight division right now. Uh, so, look, this fight could well be deciding who fights for that belt next. So, very much looking forward to that one. And, and as we touched upon briefly a minute ago, Will Curry, uh, Christian Duncan, uh, I guess a bit of unfinished business from last time. And, look, whenever you're lucky enough to see two legitimate prospects of that caliber go at it, you know, can't you blame happen every day 100 uh like even if you look down through the card as well wesley maya he's another guy who's who stood out recently i'm uh, josh plant he's two and four in his career but josh plant always brings a fun fight whenever he's fighting that fight against Kiefer crosby was it in bella and bam or one of them back in there a really fun fight and he you know he's gone in there against adam cullen as well so and as you mentioned george mcmanus uh who you know ian gary ian gary make a lot of people look ordinary but he's a very very good prospect and you know we saw what happened with uh with uh oh god I've, this is the second time in a week i forgot his name the two brothers figlack uh we saw what happened with him after he yeah. gary beat him and he popped back and he's looked really really yeah. good so since uh, absolutely George yeah, man as well has been competing since he was like two years old or something crazy like he's mm-hmm. like he's been doing competitive martial arts since he was in nappies basically so a lot of experience you know he's, he's only four fights uh in professional mma but there's a lot of experience there and uh, you know, Liam fighting out of a great gym, uh, fighting with the Mark the Wizard Weir, one of the UK MMA originals and one of the first uh, so he's got strong foundations there. Mm-hmm, 100%. Then the Cage Warriors 1 2 4 card is kind of, I suppose, where the Irish start, uh, side of it starts, but there's lots of good, fun fights uh, on this as well. Uh, we, we leave the main event, I suppose, uh, for a second, but. This undercard is just insane. Josh Reed uh, is on the card. Dominic Wooding against Cameron Hardy. The two Hardwick brothers fighting uh, Harry fighting John and Dye and Dean Truman fighting George. Uh, Brian Boole and Nathan Fletcher. What a fight that is. Justin Burlinson uh, finally getting a fight here. I know my boy Jakey is always talking about him. Luke Shanks at 125 pounds again fighting Nicholas LeBlond. There's just there's just so much on this. Uh, Mantecchi against Flaminas. Arlen Callis you know a lot of them lads I, I suppose will be looking at the Ian Gary Jack Grant fight as well the 275 or the 270 pound fights there and you could say a bear against uh, Burlington as well you could put it in with that there's just so much on this undercard isn't there it's it's, uh, it's a really really fun one coming up on uh, on Friday night I, dude I, I genuinely believe this in in normal times I think the prelims the prelims we've got on this card could be, you know, when Cage Warriors are doing monthly shows, they, this could be a monthly show, right? Mm-hmm. You know, Luke Shanks uh, just coming off the title fight against Nicholas LeBlond, who's coming off that uh, absolutely disgusting knockout of Darren Gorman last time out. And then before that, you've got George Hardwick, who, uh, you know, you've seen on, uh, on Bellator, of course, uh, fighting Dean Truman, the former champion himself. Um, Aaron Khalid, who was right up there not too long ago. Now, he's taking on uh, Holland who's making his debut, um, and this guy's a BJJ black belt. He's only, I believe, 5-0 or 6-0 in MMA, uh, in standout, and uh, you know he's only kind of converted to MMA uh, in his sort of late 20s, and, and for me, this guy's a real one to watch. And, you know, you look at his record, he's got loads of ground and pound stoppages. I think he's got, like, bravo choke finishes as well, and then you look at Khalid's record, and that's a guy who's a neck snatcher. So there's going to be some crazy scrambles in that fight. That's going to be really cool. Uh, the pick of the bunch, perhaps, for me, uh, Don Wooding, a guy who, again, a dude I've been following for, for years and years and years, um, way back to his amateur days. we got Don Wooding versus 
uh, Conor Hignett on FCC about six years ago, and mm, one of the nice. best amateur fights I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Dom's up a bantamweight now. I think he's fought as high as featherweight, but this kid can go. We know Cameron Hardy can go as well. Um, also fought Bellator as as his brother. Um, and it's like, oh, it, there's still more fights, and we're moving like down the card. Dylan Hazan, uh, a really, really high-level amateur wrestler, making his debut against Josh Reed. We all know how fun Josh Reed is to watch. Mm. Steve Amable, former Tyler in a boring fight, taking on uh, Edward Walls, who's uh, a lot of people are hyping up. Uh, my man Ricky Wright has been giving me the download on all these Scandinavian guys, so I'm looking forward to this undercard, man. Yeah, like, one that sticks out for me as well is is Mantikivi. Like, if you look at at this guy's records, you know, my friend, I have bad news. I have oh, bad news. That, he's out, is he? I, I, as far as I'm aware, the Mantikivi Flaminas fight is not on anymore. Nah, I, I I'm not 100 percent sure on that, but the uh, the most up to date card that I have been sent um, does not have Flaminas. If it's a case of uh, Flaminas is out and they're looking for a new opponent for Mantikivi, but I don't think that fight's happening. If I'm wrong, Ian Dean, please sue me. Um, <laughs> annoyingly, I, 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 I saw Maddus uh, at the weekend. At, uh, a show I commentated on, on Saturday. I mm-hmm. uh, didn't think to mention about the fight to him. So uh, <laughs> I could be way wrong here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'll tell you what, man. I'll tell you what. It was, great. it was great to call some fights with the crowd again. That was, uh, that was yeah. a lot of fun. What was that like? It was funny. I was, I was myself and Jake did the UK show the other day, talking about UK shows coming back. What what were the crowds like? Was it a full house or was it a certain amount of people? What was it? Uh, no, it was it was very far from a full house. So the the rule in the UK at the moment is um, one thousand people max, mm-hmm. or fifty percent of the venue's capacity, whichever is less. Okay. So this was in a uh, like a local basketball center. Mm-hmm. I think the max. Uh, occupancy that uh, the, the promoter could get for it was about 650. So I think he'd sold maybe 750 tickets. So with it being regional MMA, people will come for early fights and then leave, and then they could get more people in yeah. for later fights. So, um, but it was great. You know, they sold the tickets in tables. So obviously, people have to sit in groups of six. So everyone was sat in in groups of six. Uh, but just having fans there, like it made it made such a difference that you know ev- everyone you know, brought a great atmosphere. The DJ in one of the breaks put um, Freed from Desire on. Oh, Every stop. single person in the building <laughs> stood up, started jumping, singing around, dan- dancing. There was one guy moonwalk. It was absolutely hilarious. Um, yeah. Long, long live uh, long live domestic MMA. And I'm sure... Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you guys are, are looking forward to to it kicking back off over there as yeah, well. A hundred like I've I've never been to a show with no crowd on it, but I've been to shows where there's like, like at a couple of the the Bellator shows, people kind of left, and there was maybe half the crowd there, and people when other, they see others leaving, and when they're like, oh, what the crack is going on? They get quieter, and then it's quiet for like a big fight, and you're like, oh, this is a bit weird and a bit, or even like I I was at one um, domestic show and. The main fighter wasn't like, uh, you know, an SPG fighter or whatever it was. And a lot of the, you know, the SPG or the Rhino crowd or whatever it was, they all just kind of went away home. You know, they were in Dublin and they're like gone. And there was like fucking 50 people there for the main event. And it was literally like an empty crowd. And the, the difference between that and like, uh, you know, even 200 people there, you know, shouting on their, their fighter is just worlds apart. And watching on TV, like I, I, I don't know about other people, but I way prefer it with no crowd when it's on TV. But in the venue itself, like even that, and I haven't experienced the full uh, zero crowd as you have, 
it must be like it must be a weird experience also as well because i remember one time um i was uh i was like cornering andrew mcgahan in a jiu-jitsu match and i did <laughs> not i did not want to say a word because i was like right people are gonna fucking hear me here if i shout out how could what it, did how you say Oh, oh, good work, yeah. Good just work, punch, just punch him instead. Punch him, yeah. You know what I That shit doesn't work. Yeah, but uh, how must it feel like for you sitting there and you have to say like, "Oh no, this guy's hurt," and he's right in fucking front of you, and there's only like twelve other people in the whole arena. It, that must be the most. I I don't think I could do that. That must be unbelievably it's, uncomfortable, is it? It's crazy. I mean, look, even at you know, even at big shows like Cage Warriors, like. So, so, so most of the time with Cage Warriors, we have the cage set up with a platform on it. So we're a little bit far away, but we've had it before where we're like right next to the cage. And even with a big crowd in, like sometimes they can hear you. But, you know, doing regional MMA, especially like if, if they, you know, if there's a takedown right in front of you, they can hear you. And it's like, I've been in situations with, um, with Josh, right? You know, obviously like Josh is like the grappling guru and he's like, okay, yeah, what he needs to do here to complete this takedown is just hook that hand behind that knee and then get his gable grip and this, that. And then you can look at the guy and he's like, oh, cheers, mate. Nice one. <laughs> he's cornering him, basically. <laughs> the guy's like, you motherfucker. What? <laughs> it, it, it's, it's crazy. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, like m- most, of the, most of the guys, you know, they, they kind of take it quite well and, you know, they'll, they'll kind of give you, like, you know, you get guys who are clearly enjoying themselves and then they'll give you a nod and a wink or, and stuff like that. Um, but I've had a couple of situations on, uh, you know, during this Cage Warriors trilogy where uh, I've said something or, or, or Dan or Dan have said something and the fighters basically just kind of like mumbled, like, oh, you're talking out your asses or something. It's, it's quite funny. Like, you know, like regional MMA, you kind of don't really think about it that much. But obviously on broadcast MMA, you're, you're representing the show and the sport yeah. and everything. So you want to be as professional as you can. But look, we've, we've got to call the fights at the end of the day. And, you know, if, if someone's just got taken down for the 18th time and I say, well, he needs to sort out his takedown defense, well, unfortunately, that's a fact of life and yeah. you're going to have to deal with it. I'm, I, the only thing I ever have to be, I remember I was sitting in a cage once at a, at a regional show and obviously, you know, there's no media table or anything. Just like, yeah, let's take a chair there and <laughs> sit alongside the cage. I remember one lad was on top of another guy in kind of, I, I think he was in maybe half guard or a mount and the other guy was like holding him from the bottom and he kind of looked over and he was like right alongside me. He goes, hello, Sean. <laughs> just <laughs> it was the most awkward position ever because I'm like, all right, I got to step professionally. What am I supposed to say? Start talking to him as he's in the cage and fucking mounted. But yeah, it was uh, it was very funny. Anyway, we better get back to this card. We'll be here all night. Oh uh, yes, we have. <laughs> that was a good. That was a good segue. Though, a nice little chat. Um, Joe McCulligan against Aggie Sardari. I, I spoke to Joe during the week, and he's very, very, very confident coming into this fight. You know, he was. You know, he's, he thinks he's better than Aggie everywhere. He was t- talking about he thinks Decky McAleenan as well would give Aggie big problems. Uh, like, from all the coverage or all the, the fights I've watched of Aggie, even before he signed for Cage Warriors, before we were doing this first show, and it's probably the only reason I have looked into him so much for these shows, I think he's a very good, very well-rounded fighter. You know, obviously the last fight with, um, with uh, oh God, Desme went very, very close uh, over five rounds. But I don't know. Still, I th- I think he's a. I don't know. Are people underestimating him because of maybe the performances he's had in Cage Warriors, where they have been maybe not as um, 
not as standout-ish as his performances before that. And I know he's, maybe you'll be able to tell us about this more than anything. I know he struggled more than lots of people in the in the coronavirus and with his training and everything like that. Before we get to Joe, what do you think of Aggie Sagdari uh, and, uh, you know, his his place in cage whereas maybe people people not appreciating him enough i think um you know whenever a fighter is in a fight a very very close decision you know some might say contentious some might say very close depending on how you view it and what your understanding of the judging criteria is there's always a bit of a did he really win kind of thing And, and i think there was um I think it was a little, you know, his, his victory against uh, Jack Grant was a little bit more pronounced, but by no means a one-sided dominant performance. It was a fairly nip-and-tuck fight, but, I, you know, I believe he won it, and, you know, there aren't really too many questions about that. Uh, with the Desme fight, look, I, I, I'm not a judge. Uh, I can't judge a fight while I'm watching it, and uh, I've only watched it back once, and, and I was watching it just to, to enjoy it rather than to, to try and figure out how to judge it. But that fight was ludicrously close right like it was an unbelievably close fight right between uh, between desme and sadari uh, I, I don't think there really should be any complaints about how it was scored and if it had gone the other way i don't think there could be too many complaints either i, I know a lot of people did score it the other way and a lot of people scored it the three judges saw it uh but the issue is that if is sorry the issue with that is if your only experience of seeing Sadari is through Cage Warriors, they're the only two fights you've seen. And, you know, they were quite close. And obviously, you look at, like, the highlight real moments of Cage Warriors in the past, you know, Conor McGregor over Ivan Bashinga, those kind of things, Paddy Pimblet's flying triangles. And that's what get the fans talking, and that's what build mm-hmm. the fan bases. And I think there's probably a bit of contention in a lot of fans, with, whereas this guy's come in and he's beat their guy, or he's beat a guy that they do know, by a, a very, very slim margin. Um, I, I genuinely thought from my position at commentary at the time uh, um, that, uh, that Donovan Desme had done enough to win that fight. I'm not a judge, again, not really qualified to make a qualified opinion, but that was kind of what, what I thought. Uh, but then the crazy thing happened. It was that I talked to, uh, I talked to Donovan Desme later that night back at the hotel and you know, he, he looked like he'd been in the war, man, hit by a bus. He was limping and covered in, covered in damage. And then Sadari came down. I don't know if it was the same night or the night after, but he, he came down to the hotel for a beer. And the guy looked like he just stepped off some kind of modeling runway. Hair was absolutely immaculate. <laughs> didn't have a mark on him. So you then think back, though, and, and think, well, hang on. We're talking about uh, the, who's landed the most impactful strikes, right? Yeah. Who's landed them? Who's done the most damage? Well, then obviously it's scored round by round, but it kind of makes you think a bit more. I think that's going to be Sadari's issue in terms of winning fans and winning support. You know, he's not banging people out. He's not landing ludicrous left and right hooks and flying kicks and knees. He's a technician. He's a purist fighter. Um, But look, if you want to put a technician in there against someone to get a good fight out of them, you've got Joe McColgan and that's, you know, pretty much as good as you're going to get, right? You know, you look at his fight, uh, against Mehdi Ben Lakdar, and that ended up being, you know, one of the best technical wars I've ever seen. I, you know, I, I think that may have been my favourite fight that I've ever called. In, oh. in, I, I, I am nearly ten years in with Cage Warriors now, and I, I would say that's it, it, my favourite, if, if, if not at least in the top three fights I've ever called. Yeah, it was an unbelievable Joe, fight, yeah. and I think he has, he, he's got the skills, the technique, the ability, and the will to win. 
that's going to bring an even better fight out of Sadari. Yeah, I think, look, speaking to Joe during the week, there's there's no doubt in Joe's ability, I think. Like, it's, I've spoken to him a couple of times about it, and... Uh, like his, if it clicks for him, if something clicks for Joe, you know, where he gets a few finishes, I know he's gotten one or two, but if he can like start knocking lads out or start hurting lads a little bit more and start maybe, you know, not taking as, as big a shots as he has taken in some fights and a lot of those fights have been taken on short notice against really good guys in, in madness, like that uh, fight against Mason Jones, which I spoke to Joe about, you know, we could listen to that interview, but like, I f- it, it, Joe said to me, this is, he feels like it's the time where things are going to click, you know, it's, he he said he couldn't have picked a, a better time, and like, I, I think watching Sardari's fights, I think it is, as you mentioned there, a technician, so a technician like Joe McCulligan, I think is going to give him the hardest fight, now I'm not saying Joe's going to go out and going to win, or going to win easily or anything like that, but I would be surprised if this wasn't, especially for the first two to three rounds, a very close technical fight, it can always happen in fights where someone gets a, lands a big shot, or someone takes over, or someone gets a finish, but I think, uh, early enough anyway, I think this, it might be it might be a war, it might be a knockdown, knockout war, which is, I suppose, unfortunate if you're a Sardari looking to get a big performance like that. But I think it's going to be one for the purists. Um, and I think the boxing in this match is going to be absolutely fantastic. But Joe thinks he has the advantage. I'm sure Sardari thinks the same. And it's, I'm, I'm kind of glad, you know, this was due to be uh, on 125, if I'm not mistaken, and the Sharia uh, fight against Vucinic was supposed to be the main event for this, but I'm kind of glad this is the main event. Obviously, it was going to be five rounds anyway, being a Cage Warriors title fight, but um, this could be a fun five-round fight, and I'm really, really looking looking forward to this one and the whole card on, on Thursday night. But on Friday night, the, I suppose it's St. Patrick's Day over in uh, over in London. They need to get the, the green, white, and gold out. Uh, you need to get some sort of leprechaun outfit or something on in the commentary box, Brad, I think, because... <laughs> it's, green, it, green's not my colour, my friend. Nah, I'm sorry. I'm too, I'm too powerful green. <laughs> get, uh, get the green shoes out anyway, though. I'm sure you have a pair of snakeskin green shoes in, in the back of the cupboard <laughs> somewhere, have you? But... Uh, nah. She's a grey and yellow, my friend. Ah, oh, that'll, that'll do that. <laughs> what a night, though. Look, we have we have Paul Redmond returning to the cage. We have Decky McAleenan fighting here, and obviously we have uh, Ian Gary in the uh, in the main event. Oh, it's just you know, and is the Leon Hill fight uh, is that being cancelled now as well? I just see it here, and and uh, topology is cancelled. That's unfortunate, but he was uh, due to be on it as well. Oh, what a night for Irish MMA. Uh, I suppose we'll, we'll go through them one by one. But outside of that, there's some fun fights as well. Everyone knows uh, my feelings toward uh, Gerardo Fanny. I thought, you know, he came in and he had one fight in Cage Warriors. And it, well, it was Jack Grant he fought, didn't he? And it was a tough fight for anyone. And, and, you know, he got beaten in that. But I still think he's a very, very good fighter. He's fighting Conor Hignett. Paul McBain against James Hinden. What a fight that is. A fantastic fight as well. Tobias Hilaria. You know, there's a lot of talk in the cage or 145-pound division about who's the best between, you know, Hughes and Vucinic and Sharia. This could be the guy who's walking up behind him and going, all right, let's have that conversation. <laughs> and, you know, he could be the, the next guy coming through. But uh, what, what about that? Those couple of fights I mentioned there, and especially Hilaria. This guy, to me, as, as an outsider looking in, having seen him fighting on cage or one or two times and watched a few of his, his clips outside of that, this guy looks special, doesn't he? And he looks like, you know, Ian Dean has made this 145-pound division into, like, one of the strongest 145-pound divisions in the world, you could say. It's, there's some unbelievable uh, fighters in that division, isn't there? Honestly, the division right now is absolutely ludicrous. Like, 
I think there's probably, uh, you know, and, and this isn't me just being a Cage Warriors guy. I think you could reasonably say that there's maybe five guys in that division now, and any of them, uh, obviously, one, only one of them's the champ right now, and that's Jordan Buchenik. But there are five guys in that division who could reasonably lay claim to being the best fighter in that division yeah, on any given day. Um, man, how how great would it be to have uh, a round robin tournament where they all just fought each other over one weekend? Let's uh, do it. That's never going to happen, obviously. But <laughs> come on, um, Ian Dean, get it done. Come well, on, but, come on, Graham. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, come on, Ian Dean, and that paycheck, brother. Come on. <laughs> but no, seriously, man. Like that's how good that, that. There's about six different matchups you could make and say. Well, yeah, that's a legitimate title fight in that division, um, regardless of who the champion is. Uh, Tobias Harilla, and you know you talked about it earlier on, so you never had the experience of being in uh, an empty arena with no fans. Mm. Uh, Tobias Harilla is one of the guys that really brings what that means home to you because when he hits, especially on the ground, it sounds different. It sounds mm. very, very different to what you hear on TV. The power he's got is absolutely nuts. Uh, but William Gomez, who's coming in, uh, a, a teammate of uh, Saladin Panas, mm. who was the former KSW champion. Uh, and a very, very similar fight style. Um, he's been fighting uh, on, on the French regional circuit as well, uh, which obviously, you know, they've not had full rules MMA uh, in France. So, you know, he, he's traveled a bit, but the fights that he has fought in France, uh, they've been under this weird kind of like hybrid rule set. Um, and he's fought guys with like 50 fights. Um, so, you know, he's been up in there against much more experienced competition. Whether it's going to be his night against Tobias, I'm not sure. But from looking at the footage that there is of him, he's very, very exciting. And, um, man, I would love to see this guy fight Jean and Doy perhaps in the future. I don't know if they've ever trained with each other or, or, or affiliated coming from France at all. But mm -hmm. uh, that's the fight I'd love to see in the future, regardless of whether he wins or loses Jean and Doy, of course, with a you know a big fight earlier on this week. But Tobias Harilla, mm -hmm. I mean, I, this is going to pose some serious question, uh, serious problems for Cage Warriors, right? Because yeah. um, obviously, yeah, Vichenik's fight is uh, is cancelled. Vichenik's uh, got a thumb injury and he's had surgery, so I don't know when Jordan will be back. Um, I know Cage Warriors are obviously looking to do a show in September. I don't know if that's going to be another trilogy show or, or if they're going to look to be doing one-offs back then, but uh, obviously, Chariot is going to want to fight soon, right? So, mm -hmm. if Vichenik's not back, then who do you put in? Well, the obvious answer is Paul Hughes, right? But then you've got Harilla coming up behind him, and then Vichenik's going to be back in the mix by the end. So, Ian Dean's going to have to uh, get his notepad and pencil out and do some serious thinking here. Mm -hmm, 100%. And Harilla, apologies, I pronounced his name wrong. He's one of those guys, right? Where I saw his name first, I decided how to pronounce it, and then have pronounced it the exact same way ever since, even though I was wrong the first time. He's like, well, on FIFA, I'm always doing it as well. Oh, this player, this is his name. And then I hear his real name. I was like, wait, that's not how you say his name. I've constantly <laughs> called him Malaria. I've just, I don't know, I probably will con constantly call him that like for the next 10 years throughout his career. But yeah, I've, regardless, a very, very good fighter. And that 145 pound division is. Is absolutely insane. Um, and if you look look through the rest of the card here, Scott Malone, uh, Cedar Atlas, Scott P um, Pedersen against um, Marcus Lewis as well. Um, but I suppose the Irish guys here. Let's talk about Decky McAleen versus Stevie McIntosh first. Like Decky to me is probably the most improved Irish fighter. 
um, over the last few years. We've seen Stevie last time out. Uh, obviously lost to Mehdi Bin Lakhtar, but before that had some good uh, good wins in, on the regional scene as uh, a guy with a, a good few fights as well under his um, under his banner and lots of stoppages and all, like Decky, likes a rear naked chalk, likes the elbows and stuff. This is this is kind of has fun fight written all over it too, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we saw uh, we saw Decky have that draw last time uh, against Kieran Lester. I thought that was still quite uh, an intriguing fight, though. And I think you know, sometimes with a draw, it's like, oh well, it's it's unfinished business or not a lot really happened. But, but other times, it's like, okay, yeah, both now just look at John McColgan versus Mehdi Ben Lakdar. You know, there was no shame in the draw there, and both guys, you know, kind of moved, you know, progressed as if they'd won from that fight. And I think you can say the same for Decky. Um, you know, he's got submission skills. He's obviously got a long uh, traditional striking arts background. I, I believe it's um, I believe it's karate that he's uh, his background is in. Um, so that that always makes for uh, interesting striking exchanges. And uh, you know, Stevie's the same. He loves to bang. He loves to get in there and throw down. He had to slug it out with Joe McColgan in that fight. So this, for me, again, is one of those fights where you know you look at the big names on the card, like Ian Gary, Jack Grant, Paul Redman, Medi, etc. And this is one of those ones that maybe flies under the radar, but I think, uh, you know, come Sunday morning, people will be saying, oh, yeah, the McAleen and McIntosh fight, that's one you need to go back and watch and fight past. Yeah, 100%. I'm really, really looking forward to that. And definitely, you know, the Irish, uh, there's actually, we have an interview coming up with Decky McLean as well. It'll be out around the same time as this, maybe a half a day before, half a day after, but um, Ian spoke to him during the week as well, so... You know, Decky's a guy like we don't. I don't think we give enough credit for an Irish MMA, and I think the reason for that is because he's come on so much over the last few years, and uh, and I think it kind of flew under the radar a little bit. But I'm trying for it to, to fly on the radar. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm trying my best for it, but uh, I'm really looking forward to this fight. What, what about this uh, Paul Redmond maybe Bin Lactor fight? Because uh, I don't know if you saw uh, maybe uh, what maybe six weeks ago or two months ago, I went fully in Dean on it, and I made my eight man lightweight tournament, and I. Was thinking like who who is gonna fight for this belt against Sardari? Like we had McCulligan, we had Paul Redmond, we had Medi Bin Lactar, we had Desme at the time, obviously before he moved on as well. We had Paddy Pimblet uh in the mix before he went to the UFC as well. There was just so many options. Um and you know, I, I say Paul Redmond just based on what he's done in his career and you know where he's been and the big name he is, but the fact that say Paul Redmond didn't get the title shot, Medi Bin Lactar didn't get the title shot, and now they're fighting each other, like that's the sort of fight that I would have hoped for, you know, I would have wanted, but to, for Ian Dean to get it done, oh, uh, Lord Almighty, that what a fight that is. That must be one of the fights you're most looking forward to calling this weekend, is it? Oh, 100%. You know, as soon as I... Um, I, I think I, I had got sent the fight cards maybe like two days before this one was announced, and I just... I, I didn't even look through it properly. I just kind of skimmed it. And then the next day I went back to it and I was like, oh, Reds is back and, uh, and he's fighting Medi. I mean, what? that's a high-level fight, right? That's a, oh, that's a high, absolutely. high That's a UFC-level that, fight. Yeah, yeah. That could be, yeah, that could be a, a fight on any card any, anywhere in the world. Um, and look, if, you know, if you think back to the last trilogy, Medi Ben Lakbar was supposed to fight for the title, right? Mm-hmm. He was Sadari's original opponent. Um, you know, I believe he was injured and that's what led to, to Donovan stepping in. Uh, so... You know, he's maybe a de facto number one contender in himself. And look, Paul Redmond, for his many, many times, uh, he went to the UFC, he's fought in KSW, he's fought in Bellator as well. Uh, you know, this is a high-level guy. 
you can't bring him in and put him in against the young prospects. He's not at that stage in his career. 100%. You know, he's he's a, a high level fighter. He needs high level opponents. And look, he's not interested in fighting up and coming guys. He's, he he wants the top guys. He wants the fights that are going to get him that title shot, right? And beating the guy who's the de facto number one contender is going to get him that title. I have no doubt in my mind whatsoever the winner of this fight will be next in line for the belt at 155. I think, you know, it would take something bizarre or, you know, some kind of injury or, or whatever for that not to happen. Yeah. So this is a huge fight. Um, Mehdi Benlakdar is a ridiculously slick boxer. He's, he's apparently got this, like, really um, lengthy amateur boxing ground that he sort of keeps to himself because he doesn't want people knowing uh, how good he is just with his hands. But he, he's good in all facets of striking. Um, Reds' boxing's on point as well. And, of course, we know he's a sick leg lock guy. Um, but, look, this is going to be the old-school style clash, right? Reds is going to be looking for a takedown early, you would think. Mehdi's going to be looking to keep it on the feet. And uh, maybe it's the guy who gets it their way early on that's the guy that wins this fight. Yeah, I, look, I'm really, really looking forward to seeing where, you know, where Redzor's game is at from, an, obviously, an Irish point of view. He hasn't fought since he fought Georgie Carcanyon back at the start of uh, 2020, which, you know, is, what, 18 months ago or a little bit less than that. But it seems like about five years ago when everything that's happened, you know, just before the lockdown and everything like that. And, you know, before that, it was the same time the year before. So, like, Redzor's only had, since, since the start of 2019, he's only had those two fights and, you know, that's... That's that, that's a tough road to hold, you know, when when you're coming into a tough fight like this against Mehdi Benlachter. So it's very interesting to see how he looks. And like, I always thought about Redzer, if he could get a run, if you know, even if it was in Cagers or Bellator, KSW, wherever it was, I think he's a fighter that would benefit from this. Like if he gets this, let's say he gets a win in here or even a loss and he comes in and he fights on the next trilogy again and the one after that again, I'd really think that'll benefit Redzer. And... You know, depending, you know, I'm not, I would actually, I think I'd probably just about pick Redzor to win this fight. It's a very, very close fight. But even if he, he doesn't, I think it is a great place for him to be in cage wires. And I think uh, depending on how he looks here and depending on how he looks, you know, going forward, I think it, it'll go, it's going to be a great move for him. But like, I always thought Redzor, just personally, looking at like he's striking, he was always on the verge of, you know, adding that next layer to his game that will make him like that really really good well-rounded fighter and i'm sure we'll see some of that against Mehdi back in lactar because there's there's very little hiding place against Mehdi, as you said he will be looking to take to the ground i would say because he's wrestling I, I think is very underrated we all know how good his jiu-jitsu is and you know would anyone be surprised to see a paul redmond told back in uh back in cage wires again <laughs> it'll, it'll be like uh you know it'll be like winding my back the clock but uh you know i'm sure Mehdi will be looking to make him pay on the feet but what a what a great fight a clash of styles but also kind of a clash of like uh eras in the cage warriors cage and to see where paul redmond still you know is at in his career and i'm sure uh i'm sure he'll be bang up for this and i'm sure Medi will as well because he wouldn't have taken this fight you know unless he was uh unless he was bang up for it and he was confident as well as you said on the verge of of the title shot so what a, well, what well a that, that's the thing you know like you know for Medi, you know when you've already had that title shot and you know you weren't able to make it you don't really want to accept anything less, do you? Unless Paul Redmond's a big name. And uh, and as you said, you know, it's that cool clash of eras. Um, Redzo was on the shows back in the Helix. And, you know, I think, you know, for the, for the sort of eagle-eyed fans that, that keep an eye on social media, I know we saw Graham Boylan tweet to uh, to Paul Hughes a short while ago uh, about, you know, the possibility of a title fight in Ireland before mm -hmm. the end of the year. So, you know, if there's a chance that Cage Warriors, you know, COVID permitting or, 
you know, whatever the best laid plans of mice and men are, uh, getting a show on in, in, in Ireland before the end of the year. Well, you've got to believe that, that Reds wants a win here this summer mm-hmm. and, and then wants to go on to an even bigger fight in Ireland before the end of the year. Mm-hmm. What about Joe McCalgan versus Reds or for that lightweight title? If that happened, I asked Joe about oh, it. Oh, brother. And Joe was like, well, I'd rather not do that. <laughs> and I was like, well, come on, I mean, a bit of fun. It's only a sport. Are we all going against each other's sport? But, you know, another man I'm sure who will be hoping maybe to be on that card with a title is uh, Ian Gary, who who means, uh, main events the, the 125 KJRS card, but also main events the whole weekend. And I remember the last time we were talking about maybe the placements of the card and stuff, and it was, uh, you know, I, I thought Ian Gary should have been the main event the last time, but this time he is the main event, and I think it feels... A little bit bigger, you know. We we've seen what Ian has done over the last few years, and the interviews he's given, and the way he's performed inside the cage as well. You know, uh, cage warriors have a star on their hands with Ian Gary, and I think this is a star-making position. But it's all well and good being a star outside of the cage, uh, you know. But you have to produce it inside of the cage, and he has been. But oh, you know, up until now, with Jack Grant is a different prospect again i know a lot of people fancy jack grant here they think jack grant is just too experienced for for ian gary i i don't know a lot of irish people I, i'm picking Ian gary here don't get me wrong but this is this is a tough tough fight for ian gary you know there is it, we could look back in this fight right and it could be a fight where ian gary goes in there and he wins early and it's kind of like you'll think, look, he, that's where he won his cage warrior title and he moves on. Or else it could be one of these fights where Jack Grant brings it and he forces something out of Ian Gary or he, you know, even gives him a setback or whatever it might be. But, like, this this to me is is either a fight where Ian Gary comes through, you know, and looks as good as he ever has or Ian Gary gets the biggest test of his career so far, which actually might benefit him a little bit more. But Jack Grant is the guy. He'll come in there. Like, to me, watching Jack Grant fights... I think on the ground he is phenomenal. Just uh, his jujitsu, really, really good. On the feet, he's one of these guys. I don't think he's as, you know, as uh, technically as good as someone like an Ian Gary or other people. But he will just throw it. What he lacks for in in maybe uh, ability or technique. Not ability is the wrong word, but in technique he makes up for in just balls and heart and everything like that. And not to say he's not doesn't have good technique, but I don't think he's on the level of some of the other guys in cage wars. And that's a tough thing itself because Jack Grant will not, for me, take a backward step against someone like Ian Gary and give him the test he needs. And we, you know, we can talk about Gary's qualities and stuff in a second. But what what do you make of this fight and just the test for Ian Gary and the abilities of Jack Grant? Yeah, I mean, obviously we we know Jack Grant is uh, is ludicrously good on the ground, right? You know, he's a competition ready, competitive grappler. You know, he does that between his MMA fights. He enters grappling competitions and he beats guys and he beats good guys. Um, you know, the, the, it's, it's a brave man that's going to come into an MMA fight and the first thing they want to do is take Jack Grant down, right? We, we all know that. Uh, he, he's ludicru- ludicrously strong. And I think fighting at welterweight is probably better for him um, because, you know, the amount of muscle he was packing onto that 155-pound frame there wasn't much room to spare there in the old, uh, in the old, you know, physique department. So, you know, how long does the power hold up if you're, you know, you, you're you're that well muscled, but you're cutting down to such a lightweight? You know, he, he he's six foot one. He's got quite a lithe frame. So, you think he's, you know, he's he's kind of naturally built to be a striker. But when you're draining yourself to get to 155 pounds, maybe 170 is the right answer. He's in his late twenties now as well. You know, as we know, those weight cuts get a little bit harder as, you know, you hit 30 and, uh, and onwards. 
So I think he's made a good career move at this stage, uh, moving up to 100. Um, and look, you know, you take the physical side of it, you take the technique and the skill out of it. Uh, th there's an interesting thing now for, for Jack Grant because he's fought for the Cage Warriors title twice and he's come up short. You know, not many people get a second chance. And I think to get a third chance um, is even rarer still. So if it's going to happen for Jack Grant, it's got to happen now, right? It, it's very difficult to see, you know, how he comes back a fourth time to get a title shot. You know, this could be this could be the fight uh, finds his level. So I know he's going to be bringing absolutely everything, absolutely ounce, every ounce of will and heart that he's got, he's going to be pouring it into this fight. And if you've looked at the social media of Jack Grant, over the past few weeks and months in the build-up to this fight, he's got a very specific mindset. He thinks that Ian Gary is Cage Warrior's golden boy. He thinks Ian Gary is the chosen champion, and he wants to upset that apple cart. And that's a powerful motivator uh, to think that the fans and maybe the promotion uh, or who feels that you're the underdog going into it and feels that you're a stepping stone, you've got a big, big impetus to prove them wrong. Um, obviously, you know... You can literally count the social media posts. They've both had the exact same amount. But the mindset of Jack Grant is that I'm going in against the golden boy and I'm going to ruin his weekend. And you know what? He's right. Like, Ian Gary is the golden boy, I would say. You know, and your cage warriors have been very good at kind of making golden boys, whether it's Paddy Pimble. But the, the thing about it is, look what happened to Paddy Pimble. You know, he, how many losses did Paddy Pimble take in cage warriors? A good few. So, you know... Maybe Graham Boylan has the golden boy, but Ian Dean doesn't. I'm, you know, Ian Dean is is uh, going there, and he's uh, he's happy enough to to give his golden boy tough matches, and you know that's what Jack Grant has here, uh, or is here against Ian Gary. But um, you know, Ian Gary, I suppose, you know, as a as a fighter and as a six and all guy, I find it hard to think of someone at six and all who is as good as he is and who shows as many improvements as he uh, does you know his early fights i suppose he took one or two too many shots even in the fights that went quick but i think you know over his last couple he's kind of improved in that an awful lot just looks so slick you know i i, I always love when fighters start talking about jabbing and you know t being a tactical fighter with someone who will come onto him and then they're able to fight off their back foot as well as being an attacking fighter you know like gary has with those big high kicks and stuff before so um you know, and he loves fighting on the ground as well. Now, against Jack Grant, I, I don't know if he'll want to test himself against someone that good, but I'm sure he'll be confident in his ability as well. But, you know, Ian Gary, there's no doubt in it. He is the golden boy in Cage Warriors, and he is the guy that people, you know, me and you would be talking about him anyway, you know, but people outside of us are talking about him. You know, Ari Lawani's tweeting about him. You know, the, the UFC fight pass are, are tweeting about him and everyone like that. And even though that Bellator tweet from back in the day replying to me, that's the one that's going to be brought up if Ian Gary comes in and he, he wins <laughs> here at the weekend. So I'm sure there'll be, you know, there'll be a lot of a lot of banter. But make no mistake about it, this is a big test. And if he passes it in flying colours, it'll make Ian Gary an even bigger star. So it's, uh, it's one I'm really looking forward to. A huge fight. I don't think you could... Uh, have picked out of all these however many fights 30 fights or whatever it is over these three nights I don't think you could have picked a better fight to, to top this card uh, and I'm uh, I'm really looking forward to it I, I can't wait I'm, I'm kind of jealous of you being sitting there cage side to be able to watch it but oh. 
Yeah, abso- absolutely. I mean, you know, I'm sure a smaller promotion like Bellator Europe would love to have a star like him. <laughs> yeah. like Shots fired. Shots hey. fired. <laughs> Bellator Europe, does, do they still exist? <laughs> I, I don't know. I, don't, I, I remember them from a long time ago, but yeah. what yeah. do you do? Oh, no, you know, yeah. j- joking aside, man, um, look, just, just to go back to, to, to something you, you touched upon, you know, Ian, Ian took a few shots uh, in a couple of his fights and the George McManus one, he got, he got clipped a few times and, mm-hmm. uh, and his pro his pro debut as well against uh, is it is it, was it James Sheehan was it yeah I, James oh, Sheehan I'm struggling yeah. to remember off the top of my head there we go mum forget I ever said that um, yeah look, he took a few shots in those fights but did he look hurt did he look troubled did he look like he was in any danger no mm-hmm. he he didn't and th- this is this is the thing right because when you're looking at prospects and you know I, I've I've been really lucky in, in all the time I've been around MMA to see so many guys go you know from like 15, 20 years ago, I've seen I've seen guys like, you know, I've seen like guys like Dan Hardy start out and then get to the good shows and then get to the UFC. Uh, and when you when you're looking at the career of someone from up to the big leagues, uh, from an analytical point of view, what you want to see is what happens when they get put in a bad situation. What happens when they get hurt? Mm-hmm. Uh, what happens when they lose? Unfortunately, Ian Carey has not been in that position yet <laughs> because I've never seen him get dropped. I've never seen him have to, you know, defend the choke for, uh, you know, as if his life depended on it. Uh, and, and of course, you know, as a professional, we, we've not see, seen him lose. Um, you know, he's irritatingly good mm-hmm. and <laughs> uh, a cliche, but he's literally, you know, coming to me before, uh, you know, be- before his, his, his second to last fight and saying, uh, right, what I'm going to do in this fight is I'm going to take the guy down and he then I'm going to smash him up with elbows. after every and then interview. <laughs> And then he did it, right? Yeah. Um, and and he, is, he is literally doing it. Look, you cannot put a price on that level of confidence. Uh, we've seen confidence carry fighters, uh, you know, way above and beyond their skill set many, many a times. You know, but, but Gary's skill set with his confidence, which is sky high. Mm-hmm. Um, look, he's, he's a star. You know, I, 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 I don't want to say, oh, he's the Cage Warriors golden boy, but he's one of the biggest stars on Cage Warriors. That's mm-hmm. undeniable. It's not to say that Cage Warriors favor him, favors him in any way, but he's amazing to watch. If you if you're a fight fan, you're gonna love watching him fight, and he's got the personality that makes him a star. You know, MMA fans watching his interviews, hearing him talk. That's the guy you're like, yeah, I'd I'd want to be mates with that guy. I want to see if he, you know, he's talking a lot of trash about his opponent. I want to see if he can back. Look, that's that's just the fact of the sport. But at the same time, this is the toughest of his career by a country mile mm-hmm. it just is it's undeniable um and you know you yes uh, jack has fought for the title twice and come up short but like i said a minute ago to me that might make him all that little bit more dangerous now because this could be his last chance yeah. and i don't think he's going to take anything for granted and i think he wants to put ian away i think he wants not to get a decision over sub him beat him in a dramatic fashion and say hey Look at me now. All you Ian Gary fans, look at me now. I'm the man. Mm-hmm. And of course, we know where Ian's got his sights set on. We know what he wants to do. And we know he's a prolific finisher. And I, I, I imagine, you know, somewhere in uh, Ian's to-do list is 
another big highlight reel finish like we saw last time that's going to get him retweeted by UFC Fight Pass, that's mm-hmm. going to get your Helwanis and Luke Thomases, etc. talking about it. Your yeah. Your of course. Yeah. <laughs> that's true, that's true. What better way to end it, Brad? Thank I you very much. those less-known journalists. <laughs> <you> less <know? laughs> known, yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep the best for last. Thank you very much, Brad. I really appreciate it. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Check it out. Cage Riders, 123, 124, 125. For everyone listening to UK and Ireland, early card so you'll be in fucking bed by 10 o'clock at night watching the first two and you'll be uh, able to watch it before you go out in the piss before the one on saturday night so it's absolutely perfect for everyone ufc fight pass uh thank you very much brad thanks everyone for listening and we'll see you all next time